Welcome to the 15th and very special episode of Cup of Cubby Blue, your series by series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe for the most up-to-date content. You can also find us on bleedcubbyblue.com and follow podcast-related content on our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I cover the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. And today, my traditional partner in Cubs banter, Andy, is on vacation. But fear not, listeners, I am lucky to be joined by some special guests. Uh, first up to listen to the White Sox series with us is the Bleed Cubby Blue editor-in-chief, Al Yellen. Uh, and then after the break, we're going to have a special guest from Amazing Avenue, Maggie Wigan, from the podcast A Pod of Their Own, will join us to talk all things Mets. How's it going, Al? Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I imagine, so just so people know, we're recording pretty early on Wednesday morning, or Thursday morning. I imagine that you had a long night in the rain. (laughs) It was a really long night in the rain. I mean, that's about the worst weather I can ever remember in Chicago this late in June. I mean, not just for a baseball game, just for anything. It's felt more like November. Yeah, it was really chilly. I was actually in the grandstand and it we had the wind coming straight at us. So it felt even colder than like the low 50s, which, you know, it was still a nice baseball game. It's always a good day when the Cubs win, but I would like it if summer would arrive. Exactly. Um, so let's just jump right into this White Sox series. This was two very different games and frankly, not in the order I expected. On Tuesday, the Cubs faced off with a struggling Ivan Nova uh, and Kyle Schwarber hit a leadoff home run to start that game. You kind of thought the Cubs were just going to mash their way to a victory, and then nothing. <laughs> what is going on with the Cubs' bats? They cannot seem to consistently stay hot. Well, I mean, you know, you're talking about the games being kind of reverse of what they should be, and then um, the White Sox did the same thing in the second game. They hit a leadoff home run on the first pitch of a game, and you think with Lucas Giolito, who's been hot going, and all of a sudden, the Cubs' bats come alive. So the, the games are kind of backwards. And, you know, good thing the Cubs did manage to beat Giolito and at least split the series. Yeah, because baseball. I mean, I don't know how else to describe that. I We really, when we were talking about this series a few days ago, Andy and I both thought that, you know, you struggle with Giolito, you get your hits off of Ivan Nova. And no, the Cubs decided they had other plans in mind. Um, other interesting things that happened during game one that I definitely want to make sure we shout out. Cole Hamels got his 25th hundred strikeout, and that was a pretty cool moment in case you missed it. He's a part of some pretty elite company there, lefties with 2,500 strikeouts. What do you think about that, Al? Well, it's, you know, beyond the beyond the real good company he's, he's in, and, and Cole Hamels has had a, has a really fine career. He sent out a note um, uh, through the, uh, the media uh, saying how much he appreciated getting the the ovation he got that that he likes being around uh, a, a fan base and and a place that really kind of gets it and that that kind of energizes him and makes him feel you know good about what he does out there. I you know Cole Hamels is a guy who you kind of you know you saw at the periphery of Cubs baseball. He threw a no hitter against the Cubs, breaking that long no hit streak in 2015. Got traded to the Rangers. You kind of view him from afar. Now, all of a sudden, last year, Cole Hamels is part of the Cubs. They decided to keep him around. And he's really been the most consistent pitcher that they've had this year. So, you know, I, I'm really happy that, uh, that that he's been a Cub, that he, he appreciates the fan base 
understands kind of what he's part of. And I wish him continued success. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. And I think that one of the things that fans make fans of the Cubs in particular maybe don't think about is how just how different it is to play at Wrigley Field and how in tune with the game the fan base is. And I know it's easy to like, you know, every now and again you're surrounded by some meatball fans and they're like ridiculous. But um for the most part, people are paying attention to the game. They're standing up and clapping when there's two strikes. They know what the situation is. And they understand when important things happen, like a like 2,500 career strikeouts. And that's just a really lovely thing to see. Um, I'm looking at a list here that I think is probably updated by now. And it looks like Cole Hamels currently ranks 37th all-time in strikeouts. He's actually only one behind Christy Mathewson, so you have to imagine that that's going to come on his next start. Um, the only other active players that are in this conversation just around him are Felix Hernandez, who has 2,501 strikeouts. He also just recently hit that landmark. Um, Bartolo Colon, who is still listed as active, but probably is never going to pitch again, which is a bummer. Uh, but you never know. Bartolo's Bartolo. He could come back. Um, and Zach Granke. So he's kind of, he's in some pretty decent company there. Our pal John Lester is just under 250 strikeouts away. He's at 2,259. And I imagine that John will hit this milestone at some point in his career as long as he stays healthy. You know, Cole Hamels, you're talking about 2,500 strikeouts. And, uh, you know, the way he's pitching this year, if he keeps doing it, I would certainly not be opposed to keeping him around another year or two. Um, he seems rejuvenated since he came to the Cubs. Uh, he was having struggling pitching in Texas. He, he was not doing well in that ballpark, but he seems to have really taken to Wrigley Field. He seems to enjoy pitching in National League games again. And I wanted to, to go back to the point you made about pitching in front of this fan base. Back in 2003, which was a good year until the National League Championship Series, Eric Karos, who played just that one year for the Cubs and who's now working for Fox Sports, said something I've really kind of taken to heart since then. He said, every player should play one year for the Cubs, at least one year for the Cubs. That's how much he enjoyed being here. And I, I think he's right. And, and, and players, I think, really do seem to appreciate the history and you know all the things we as fans look at. I think a lot of players understand how much that means to the game of baseball. And if they do play for the Cubs or even – some of the players who uh, are visiting players coming here really do understand the history and tradition of Wrigley Field and the Cubs team. And, and that's kind of nice to see. Yeah, that's an awesome statement. And I also just think that I've heard other players make similar comments. So players who spent time in lots of different places, really talk, talking fondly about their time with the Cubs. And I, I mean, I obviously love this team, so <laughs> I want everybody else to love it too, but I'm glad that, Players, for the most part, have had that kind of experience here. Um, game one was not all celebrations of Cole Hamels, although I wish it could have been because he pitched an outstanding game. Um, it also included the return of Eli Jimenez, who y'all may remember from the Jose Quintana trade. And Eloy was the difference maker on Tuesday night at Wrigley Field. He hit a home run that um, off Pedro Strope. We're going to talk about Pedro Strope in a second, too, because I'm, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on stroke. He looked like he was struggling a little bit, but he had a two run home run and that was, that was it. And you kind of can't imagine anything more storybook than that. You know, I'd been joking earlier on Twitter when Eli came up with the bases loaded that I, you know, I used to have dreams of Eli standing to the plate with the bases loaded at Wrigley, but it was not this dream. He did it. I, he's, he seems to be the real deal. He's really been on fire, especially recently. 
Well, Eloy Jimenez um, is obviously he is the real deal. Um, and, you know, another thing beyond his his um, his abilities, which, you know, we saw in the Cubs system. Now that you're seeing him for the White Sox, he really just seems to have a joy about playing baseball. I, I watched him out in left field interacting with with the bleacher fans. He's always got a smile on his face, laughing, um, you know, not you know, not to say he's not taking the game seriously, but he really seems to enjoy playing baseball, and you love to see more players like that who really are having a good time out there and understand that this is a game and they should have fun playing the game. He's going to be, a, you know, certainly he's going to be a good everyday player, if not a star. Um, I still think, that, you know, if the Cubs win the World Series while Jose Quintana is on the team, then it was still worth it. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you trade players away to get quality in return, and they turn out to be good players for other teams. That's kind of how baseball works. Right. And I think that it's worth it for Cubs fans to think about the timing here. The Cubs do not get to the 2017 NLCS without Jose Quintana. Like, and and Eloy was nowhere near ready. It's not like Eloy was going to step up and play right field for you at that point in time. I mean, he wasn't up last year, although there were some people who thought he could have come up towards the end of the year. So the Cubs have made the playoffs twice since the time they traded Eloy. And don't forget Dylan Cease, who also it looks like he's going to be a quality arm for the White Sox, uh, for Quintana. And Quintana has helped the Cubs be consistently in the postseason. And so you have to look at this trade in terms of timing, too. What Would whatever impact Eloy and Cease had in two years be worth not going to the playoffs for two years? Well, and, you know, you can make the same statement about the oldest Chapman trade in which they give up Labor Torres, who's become a very good player for the Yankees. Uh, you know, obviously there's other issues with Aroldis Chapman that are not part of this, but the Cubs got a ring. They made the trade, they got a ring. And so, you know, you know, Glaber Torres can have 10 all-star seasons for the Yankees. It's okay. The Cubs got their ring and that's what they wanted. Yeah, I'm so not a fan of the Aroldis yeah, Chapman. <laughs> yeah, I know that, you know, that obviously other issues for Chapman, but they got what they yeah. wanted out of the deal. So that's, you know. That, that's but kind the, of the point. Is you make a trade, and yes, you're going to give up talent to get talent. And if you win, that's the point. The ring is the ring, particularly at that point with how long the Cubs drought had been going on. I understand why deals were made that I may not have been particularly willing to make. But I also, you know, I can't. I, people ask me, "Do the Cubs win the World Series without a World Champion?" I can't obviously say that they do. Um, so. I'm just going to table the Araldis Chapman thing because I haven't had all of my coffee yet. <laughs> um, but you are absolutely right. That's how baseball trades work. And fans need to think about that all, like, and where players would play and how soon they would be up and when they can help a team. And prospects are prospects. You don't know how they're going to pan out. Even Eli had a great game against the Cubs. He's had a great stretch recently. He actually started the season fairly mediocre. I, he's on my fantasy team. I've been paying attention. He hadn't been helping me all that much until about the last month. So, you know, it, it's very early in his career, but it was nice to see somebody who clearly loves the game, have his moment on a big stage and props to Eli. That's the fun things that happen in baseball. And if you don't appreciate that, or you're going to hate him forever because he's not a cub anymore or whatever, that's on you. But like, I, I thought it was a beautiful baseball moment, even though it didn't go the Cubs way. Um, yeah, you know the guy. Oh yeah, go ahead. Obviously, Cubs fans were not happy about the result of the game, but you know, as if you can separate yourself from that and just be a baseball fan, that that was kind of a cool thing, you know. Totally. As, as a, watching baseball just as the sport itself. Yeah, totally. That's the, that's what makes baseball great. I mean, our friends at Obvious Shirts, who I love by the way, uh, put out a 
White Sox shirt. They usually do a ton of Cubs gear, but every now and again, they do something just Chicago or White Sox. And the White Sox shirt was, thank you for Eloy. (laughs) I saw this on Twitter yesterday and I was like, wow, that's a great shirt. I hate that that shirt exists, but that's a great shirt. (laughs) Sure. And those guys, those guys are generally right on top of things too. Oh, they're, they're totally great. Um, They had a Cole Hamels, uh, 2500 strikeout or Cole Hamels is a good pitcher shirt or something out yesterday like immediately it was outstanding let's talk about happier things um let's talk about Cubs victories oh wait there was one more thing in game one I wanted to talk about that is not happy which is what was going on with Pedro Stropal I heard you talk about this on BCB um and it he looked off to me too is Pedro Strope hurt again like what is going on that's kind of, you know, I, and that was the first thing I thought about is velocity seemed, was seemed down. Um, the, the pitch that was hit for the home run was 93. That was the fastest pitch he threw in that outing. And I, I got to wonder whether that hamstring is still bothering him. Um, you know, once Craig Kimbrell is activated, which maybe will be next week, that's going to stretch out the bullpen a little bit and take some pressure off Pedro. I and mean, maybe he winds up on the injured list when Kimbrell comes back. But um, there does seem to be something wrong, and I hope they figure it out soon. Yeah, that was – so the other thing about that pitch that I don't know if you could see from your vantage point in the bleachers, which is awesome, is that it just missed poorly, horribly. It was supposed to be a sinker down. Um, it wound up hovering up. It like Caratini, You saw Caratini sort of like lift his glove, like the length of Eloy's leg trying to get to where that ball would be. It, it just missed. It wasn't even – a great pitch and Strope looked off a little bit to me too. So I hope he's okay because he's a champion. I love him. Um, but that certainly was not a great outing for him. No, I mean, he's, you know, there's an argument that can be made. He's the best relief pitcher in, in the history of, of the Cubs. And he's always, you know, always got a smile on his face. Teammates love him. So, you know, let's get him healthy so he can help the team later in the year. All right. Now, happy things. Let's talk about game two. Uh, can I just say Wilson Contreras loves playing against the White Sox and I'm here for it. Well, and you know, he, he hit a grand slam against the White Sox last year too. So yeah, he definitely likes playing against the White Sox. He'll get a chance to do it again uh, in two weeks when they play each other on the South side, but Wilson had him, had himself a game um, last night with uh, in game two with, uh, with the two home runs. And, you know, after the leadoff home run by Garcia, that grand slam took a lot of pressure off John Lester. Absolutely. So um, I looked this up last night because Wilson is my favorite and I love nothing more than coming home from games where Wilson has had a great game and looking up Wilson Contreras stats. Uh, Wilson Contreras' career versus the White Sox includes two two grand slams. He's batting 349, 391, 671. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure is. Um, so, Joe, just a note, when you're making your lineups and you're doing your whole moving people around and everything, keep Wilson in the lineup against the White Sox. There is no need to throw to put a different catcher in there. Just let Wilson do his thing against the White Sox. He's apparently their kryptonite. Well, you know, um, one, of the, one of the things they can do with him when they play the two games on the south side, give him a break and maybe use him as a DH one of the two days. That'd be a great idea. I think, I mean, he's just clearly, and, you know, I don't know why it is that certain players do really well against certain teams or during certain times of year or whatever, I'm sure there's a rhythm to it and some explanations, but Wilson seems locked in against the White Sox and it's not a small sample size at this point in time. So I think he should get the chance to play against the White Sox as much as possible. 
Having said that, you know, they, they, baseball's talked about possible expansion in the future and uh, maybe realigning divisions and putting the Cubs and White Sox in the same division. Wilson Contreras might like that a lot. I would not. Uh, you know, these games get so much hype. I certainly do. I do not want to see the Cubs and White Sox playing 18 times a year. That would be horrifying. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I don't want to see the Cubs and White Sox play that often either. I like the system that if you have two teams in the same city, one of them is an AL team and one of them is an NL team. And frankly, I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this last night at the game because I was we were surrounded by some pretty obnoxious White Sox fans. And I do not mean to imply that all White Sox fans are obnoxious. I have a lot of friends who are White Sox fans and they're great. But there's something about this series that makes people who I generally love going to watch baseball games with, like I go down to the South side to watch baseball anytime the Red Sox are in town, anytime Mike Trout is in town, sometimes just because they have a good giveaway going or whatever, and the tickets are cheap. I, I don't think White Sox fans act like this except when they're at Wrigley and or playing the Cubs. Like they just yeah. yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Like you, I have a lot of friends who are White Sox fans and, you know, enjoy talking baseball and they don't generally talk trash. Uh, and my friends don't do it even when the Cubs are playing the White Sox, but it does seem to bring out the worst in both fan bases. So, you know, four times a year or, in, you know, some years they play six times. That's really enough. I agree 100%. Um, other things that we noticed in game two, like you said, John Lester had kind of a rocky first inning, but then really seemed to lock it down. I'm not going to say it was the prettiest outing from John. He definitely struggled at times, but he did seem to grind one out last night. Yeah. And, you know, of course it was not, not great weather conditions to play in. It had to be hard to grip the ball, both for pitchers and for fielders. So, you know, he saw a little sketchy play that you normally wouldn't see if the weather conditions were better. You know, I understand why they had to play that game in a light to moderate rain, it wasn't, there wasn't any lightning or anything around. So they could do that. Uh, you know, the makeup dates are not really available and they didn't want to want to have to postpone and try and reschedule. So I get it, but those were not really optimal conditions to play in. No, they definitely weren't. And there were a couple of plays. Um, I'm thinking of the one where in particular where Chris Bryant uh, fielded a ball that he probably should have let roll foul and then just kind of airmailed it to Anthony Rizzo a little bit. Uh, and I just had to believe that he didn't have a chance to get a grip on a slippery ball. Yeah, it sounds about right. So, you know, fortunately, hopefully this November and June weather will depart and we'll at least have decent weather over the weekend when the Mets come to town. <laughs> I think I did see that at least by Sunday it's supposed to be in the low 80s. But at this point, I don't believe it. I think yeah, that I Chicago weather is lying to me. Yeah, I don't either. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> um, it looks very drizzly right now, I would like to say. As I'm sitting here recording with Al. So uh, it does not look good for the lack of drizzly weather. Hopefully it clears up by this afternoon. Um, I'm excited to go to this game too, but I'll be in the grandstand again. Yeah, at least, you know, you're, you're, you're undercover. So, you know, you can watch baseball, uh, the baseball players in the rain while you're, you're warm and dry. Not warm, but at least dry. Yeah, it is, it is nicer when this weather's like this to be in the grandstand, but it is going to be, it is cold. Wrigley is in a wind tunnel and it is not always fun to just sit there huddling, trying to warm up while the wind is blowing in your face. No um, kidding. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, Other thoughts on game two, Al, other things you noticed. I, Lucas Giolito really struggled, but he's an awesome pitcher. Yeah, I mean, he's he's finally figured it out. That's what the White Sox thought they were getting when they traded Adam Eaton to the Nationals for him a couple of years ago. And they had hoped he would become, you know, the ACs become, uh, whether this the game uh, against the Cubs was, 
you know, something that they'll see more of or whether that was a one-off, I guess he'll find out when he makes his next start, but you know, he's, he looks like he's finally figured it out. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, the last thing I want to kind of mention here, cause people may have seen this on Twitter. I wrote about it uh, on Wednesday for the site is this umpires union meltdown. But before we talk about that, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. We're going to come back. to talk about the umpires union and then we will be joined by Maggie later in the show. And we're back. Uh, So if you didn't see it a a few days ago on June 15th, there was a, you know, one of those arguing balls and strikes ejections in the Padres Rockies game. The only thing that was particularly noticeable about it at the time was that Manny Machado was ejected for relatively little And later in the game, Nolan Arenado had a much more extended and animated uh, argument about balls and strikes as well and was not ejected, which seemed kind of odd from Bill Welke. But like umpires do odd things all the time. The league handed down a one game suspension for Machado, and it looked like this was just going to be the normal course of events until the umpires union decided to go on the offensive on Twitter and Facebook and call out Machado by name, accusing him of quote unquote workplace violence. And I just thought this was appalling. I've never seen the umpire union go after an individual player. What do you think, Al? Well, you know, not only that, um, a couple of players, as you mentioned in the article you wrote, you know, Alex, uh, Alex Wood came out and said, you know, if we said that about umpires, we'd be fined. You know, why aren't they? Why aren't they fined for saying something like that? Major League Baseball issued a very strong statement uh, condemning what the umpires had said, and that that's that's very unusual for Major League Baseball to do that sort of thing. I'm I'm certain that people in the commissioner's office were very very unhappy with what went on. I you know there's a lot of times umpires think that they're part of the show, and there are certain umpires that you know we can mention that that are worse at that than others. Hydro West, what's up, Coach yeah, Joe? Right, yeah. Right, you know, you know, Angel, the Angel Hernandez types, but um, I, I don't know what they were thinking with that. Uh, some either, uh, either somebody in their union leadership is just not in tune with what things are really going on, or you know, they had somebody doing social media who just didn't know what was going on. But that's that was just really a bad look for them. I 100% agree. It was not a great look. It. Um... I, you know, frankly, the thing that came to mind for me immediately was that if the umpires are calling out individual players and be- truly believe as an organization that individual players are committing violence against them or whatever, I believe violence was in like all caps. This is a weirdly hashtag tweet, by the way. And yeah, I was kind of like, more hashtags, MLB. Like, what is this tweet? Well, uh, yeah. And I know the hashtags were being mocked all over Twitter after that. And I watched the video and yeah, you know, Manny Machado threw his bat, which he probably shouldn't have done. That's probably what resulted in the suspension beyond the the contact. But um, the bat was thrown away from everybody. It didn't, it wasn't really endangering anybody. And for them to equate it with workplace violence, which is a real problem in this country, that's just weird. Yeah, it was a poor look. I mean, I, um, you know, the other thing that came to mind is, Umpires are supposed to be neutral. And like, I get that people are not neutral. And I know, look, my, my dad umpired. I watched him do it for years. I remember people yelling at him and being like, what is the matter with you? A, the call was good. And B, even if it was close, like you're making, you know, kind of a fool out of yourself right now with these arguments. 
but and I, and, and that's not fun like that's got to be hard but their entire job their entire job is to be a sort of neutral arbiter of the rules that is capable of adjudicating the game fairly and how can anybody think that they're fair when they single out one player for as far as I can tell the first time, like I went back through their social media feed for the last year. There's no other incident where they go, where they go after a player by name. If I'm a Padres fan or if I'm Manny Machado or his agent, I would think I am being targeted by umpires at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, that, that there's got to, I think I would think there's, there's got to be an apology issued at some point um, or some statement made that, by the umpires that, you know, that was, that was wrong. I don't know, but that, I would think that this is not the last we're going to hear about this incident. No, it certainly isn't the last thing that we're going to hear about it. And I, you know, it was a fun, like there was a ratio on Twitter or whatever. If you're a tweeter, you know that a ratio means that uh, all of the replies disagreeing with the tweet outnumbered the people who liked it. It was clearly a poor communications ploy by the umpires union but it beyond that it just was a bad look a couple other little um just side notes that don't have anything really to do with the white Sox or the mets that i wanted to talk about craig kimbrell threw his first uh game in iowa and retired the side on eight pitches what do you think of this outing al well obviously that's good um it's 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 efficient he was throwing at 96 miles an hour so you know, obviously he's getting close to being ready to pitch in major league games. The Cubs are doing the right thing. They want to, you know, I mean, they, to use the phrase checking all the boxes isn't, isn't really right because it's not like he's going through a whole minor league career. But they want to make sure that he's 100% ready and not like 95% ready before he pitches in a major league game. He's supposed to go again on Friday. Um, maybe by the middle of the Braves series, he'll be ready to go. It'll be interesting for him to pitch against his, you know, the team he started with. Uh, if that's the case, but I think we're very, very close to seeing Craig Kimbrell in a, in a major league Cubs uniform. Um, speaking of which I have already seen people wearing Kimbrell jerseys around Wrigley field uh, before he's I even mean, pitched a single game. That's crazy. I mean, those were available immediately, like the day after the signing was announced. I know. Cause I went to the Cubs store for something else and I saw the Jersey and just had to take a picture of it. Cause I thought it was great, but yeah, that though, I don't think I'd be buying a Kimbrell Jersey until I had at least seen him pitch for the team. Yeah, you'd think so. Although, you know, all indications are that he's going to be that guy that uh, has been a dominant closer for close to a decade. And that's, you know, that could be a game changer in, in, in the Cubs division. Of course, the Cubs have to get leads in the ninth inning first, and, and they've had some offensive issues recently. But those things go in cycles. They did last year. The, you know, the Cubs are still close to the top of the National League in runs per game. So, in general, they've been hitting well. They just have, you know, had some stretches where they've had a tough time. And, you know, people wondered about, you know, they lost three out of four at Dodger Stadium. Hey, you know, the Dodgers are pretty good. So it's not like they're losing to a bad team. You know, they, they, they played a tough series against a tough team. Against the Dodgers, they could have split the series if they had a couple of breaks on in Sunday's game. So, you know, in the long run, I am not worried about this offense. I worry about it a little bit because it is kind of streaky. And as we've documented on this show quite a few times, the um, the Cubs leave a lot of men on base. They're not particularly great at situational hitting still. Uh, and I know that this used to be something that everybody threw at the feet of Chili Davis, but it, it would appear that this is just a thing that this team has not really quite figured out. And every now and again, it looks like they've got it figured out and then the, bath, the bats just go dead. 
for three games in a row again. And if that happens in October, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you do. That would just be a terrible way to end the Cubs season. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say about Kimbrel, though, before I move on to one other uh, last topic before we talk about the Mets, is that our Pitching Ninja, who does some awesome video work with pitches, uh, had some video of Kimbrel's throwing session in Iowa that basically was an overlay of three of his pitches. And I, you really should check this out. It One of the things that makes him so devastating is his release point is identical for three pitches that are very different. We tweeted this out on our at Cup of Cubby Blue Twitter account. And, and it's just impressive. I don't know how anyone gets a hit when all of these pitches look like they're coming you coming at you at exactly the same speed and you don't know if it's going to be a knuckle curve or if it's going to be a fastball. That's insane to me. Yeah, and that's, you know, that is what makes pitchers so, some pitchers so effective. It's one of the things that makes Kyle Hendricks so effective is that he can throw his fastball, which is not that fast, uh, and his changeup at the same, you know, the same release point, the same motion, so that it's very deceptive. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons that Kimball uses that weird stork-like, you know, stance before he throws, that he wants to make his pitches more deceptive, and obviously it works. Totally. A um, couple other notes from around the league. In case you missed it, Max Scherzer is insane. They call him Mad Max for a reason. He broke his nose during batting practice on a bunting drill and pitched the next day, throwing seven complete innings with 10 strikeouts. Holy Max Scherzer. Yeah, and I saw I saw a photo of him, and it's like, you know, it looked like he got hit by a truck, for heaven's sake. Um, you know, he, Max Scherzer's great. He's, he's the He's still one of the best pitchers in baseball, even as he gets older. And, you know, he's probably on a Hall of Fame track. I would think so. He's been really good for a long time, and he's showing absolutely no sign of slowing down. And then the last thing I want to say before we head into one more break, before we're joined by Maggie, is that I would like to thank the Padres uh, for just an absolutely dominant performance (laughs) against the Brewers. Um, They basically helped keep the Cubs (laughs) – within shouting distance of first place so that when the Cubs beat the White Sox on Wednesday night, the Cubs actually took a very slight lead in the NL Central. And that would not have been possible if the Padres had not handled the Brewers. So thank you very much, San Diego. Yeah, and, you know, as I mentioned uh, uh, in in a game recap the other day, uh, Craig Kimbrell's already helped pay dividends for the Cubs because uh, the second game of that series, uh, rookie making his major league debut, uh, Logan Allen, through seven shutout innings against the Brewers. Logan Allen was one of the four players the Padres got in 2015 when they traded Craig Kimbrell to the Red Sox. So thanks for that trade. Oh, nice. So Craig Kimbrell is already helping his new team, and I like it. Yeah, indirectly. So and he'll start hit, hit helping them directly very soon. Outstanding. We're going to take one more quick break for our sponsors, and then on the flip side, we will be joined by Maggie. And we're back for the second half of today's show. Al is still with us, but I'm also thrilled to welcome Maggie Wigan from Amazing Avenue to the show. How's it going, Maggie? Hi, it's going great. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. I, we're joking offline, but pretty much everything I know about the Mets, I know because I listen to a pod of their own. <laughs> well, we do our best to, to keep uh, the, the Mets world in orbit. Um, yeah. I've got great, a go- great team over there with Allison and Linda, and we're really excited to to you know get to to share with Cubs Nation what's 
going on in Metzville and then maybe have you guys do the same sometime in the future. Yeah, we would love that. Um, what's going on in Mets Nation, by the way? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, it's, so it's, it's always drama with the Mets. Like, the Mets are a team that um, there's always something going on. And, like, right now uh, we're dealing with a lot of injuries to the bullpen and the, the bullpen pitchers we do have are, are not very good in between. Um, and I mean, injuries are always kind of a common story and it's, there's a lot of questions about team philosophy around playing through injuries that seems to underpin a lot of what's going on, but they're always, we also always have a couple of good surprises every year that, um, make it a little more bearable. So, you know, everyone, everyone's loving, um, rookie first baseman Pete Alonzo, who is just a joy to watch. He's like the, the quintessential rookie who's super excited to be there um, and just makes every game fun. And also BT Dubs hits mammoth home runs right and left. Uh, so it's, it's really great to watch him. Uh, it's always wonderful to have a team with Jacob deGrom. I highly recommend having Jacob deGrom on your team if you can. <laughs> Yeah, we are definitely going to talk about all these guys. I, I kind of want to start where you started, though, which is this whole playing through injuries thing. Because one of the things I've observed about the Mets from afar is this tendency to, I, I don't even know what it is. Like a couple of years ago, I think Thor just flat out said he wasn't going to get an MRI and then had a last oh, yeah. pain. And like, I just and, saw uh, that something like that happened. For- Did that happen again? Um, Not with Thor, but not with, exactly. with someone. Exactly. Uh, so, so Jerry Familia, who was our kind of lights out closer for a few years, like through our little brief window of contention in 2015, he, we traded him a couple years ago and came, he came back as a free agent this year. Basically, I, you know, obviously the team also traded for Edwin Diaz, who is the big gun in our bullpen, but you know, Familia was really pitched to us was like, you're going to have an eighth, uh, you know, a closer in your eighth inning. Um, and he has been very bad from the very beginning. Um, and recently went on the DL with um, a bone spur, but they're not doing an MRI because I think the official party line is we already know what's wrong, um, which seems, um, I mean, it certainly calls into question whether he's hurt at all because there's a lot of like question about whether this is a legit DL stint or like, or, sorry, IL stint. I right. keep forgetting. Um, I do that all the time. Or, or whether it's just like a get this guy off our roster for a little while, let him get his head straight. I don't. So it's so yes, we are having an opportunity for an MRI dismissed. Um, there was also like Jacob Degrom was injured. Uh, maybe like six weeks ago, uh, just like it seems like elbow soreness, which is always, or forearm soreness, which is always concerning. You know, he had Tommy John long ago, like before he, he had his major league debut. So it's, you know, it's never something you want to hear. And he was scheduled to get an MRI. And then there was something like, there was something that just sort of pushed it back for a day or two. But then he decided to play, somebody decided he should play catch. Oh my god! And, and catch went great, so he didn't need the MRI. And like, I, it's it's one of those things where it's hard to you know argue with 
results because he was fine. But also, this is your ace who just signed to a five-year extension. Um, like, everything, every bit of success that this team may possibly see starts and ends with Jacob deGrom. And to have, like, just sort of been like, eh, let's see what happens when he throws the ball, sort of. Oh, is, my God. Um, and it's, it's also one of those things I, I'm really, I, hearing you just say, oh, my God, feels very good. Because sometimes I'm like, are we the crazy ones? But like, no. no, it's the team. The team is the crazy ones. So I would lose my mind if the Cubs did that with Kyle Hendricks, and I imagine Al would too. Uh, yeah. And he's not Jacob Degrom. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and it's it's this sort of like um, so. Like Brandon Nimmo was another young breakout player last season. Uh, he's a really exciting player. He's super enthusiastic. Like the the happiest man in baseball is sort of the nickname that has has hung with him. Um, and then he was scratched like two months ago with a stiff neck and they were like, okay, he's, he's going to be fine. And he comes back a few days later. I don't think he had an MRI. He might've, I don't think he did. Um, and then it was just terrible. And finally, after about six weeks of him playing through, you know, playing terribly, he went on the DL with, a neck problem that is now looking incredibly serious, like a bulging oh, no. disc. Um, all kind of, and like he's now been um, like the the latest update on him is that he is going to have thirty days with no baseball activity, and they were very specific to say that they have not yet discussed surgery, which to me is like it's like when my toddler walks into a room and says, "I didn't poop." Um, it's like, wow, that's a really specific thing to say that you didn't do. Like, okay, so you didn't discuss surgery. Are you sure about that? Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, this is, this is so frustrating as a Mets fan, but the sad thing is that it's not surprising to any of us because it's the same story. Yeah, it does seem to be a year-in, year-out thing. Let's talk about happier things. I wanted to ask about Pete Alonzo because Pete Alonzo Alonzo came up on BCB the other day because I had posted the All-Star balloting update. And, you know, we're big fans of Anthony Rizzo over here. He's having a pretty awesome start to 2016, but is currently, like, in a really close race with Josh Bell and Freddie Freeman um, for that starters ballot situation and one of our readers at bcb mentioned it's like hey this kid from the mets pete alonzo <laughs> so we got an old pete alonzo discussion tell me a little bit about him so pete alonzo has he kind of slugged his way through the minors um but was always sort of under underrated a little bit just because he's a he's a first base only prospect he's also one of those guys where um there was there were even some grumblings of like maybe he's a DH only kind of guy. Who's your Dan uh, Vogelbach? When yeah. when Daniel Vogelbach was in the Cubs system, that was his, he was our Pete Alonso uh, before he got yeah. traded to the Mariners for Mike Montgomery. But we like we were all in love with Dan Vogelbach and his slugging first base DHness in the minors. Yeah. So. Um, but he had a an amazing season last year. I th- in the minors. I think he I want to say he won the batting title. Like he certainly he had the home run title for the for PCL. Like it was you know even compared to the other the other players of the PCL, he was really killing it. Um, so we were really excited for him to come up. But you never know with a 
right-handed first baseman. It's, it's a tough profile. Uh, and he has been everything the Mets could want. Uh, he's got 24 home runs already and, you know, is, is climbing up that list of most rookie home runs by the All-Star break. Um, his reports of his demise at first base, at first base were greatly exaggerated. He <laughs> looks just fine there. And he's just, like I said, he's just got this great kind of infectious enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, the Mets had another first base prospect come up a couple years ago who sort of, who scuffled a lot, Dominic Smith. And Dom Smith has sort of, has sort of found himself a little this year, although not quite sure how long it'll last, but like, he has kind of a, a bench role on the team and the two of them have this this fabulous friendship where they are always rooting each other on and it's just he's just a joy to have on the team like he's it's a it's a rough year for the Mets in a lot of ways and he kind of always keeps it light and like again in between it he's getting these monster home runs and it's like not just a lot of home runs but like these big blooming home runs and then in between he's also not um his his on base is over 350 he no he goes up there with a plan and I remember the first his first at bat of the season opening day against Max Scherzer righty on righty matchup his first ever and like look don't get me wrong Scherzer did strike him out but it took eight pitches to get there he really like was not biting on some tough pitches it was and as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is a kid who has a plan, who really knows the art of hitting and not just kind of selling out for the for the big home run. So, yeah, we're we're very lucky to get to watch P. Alonzo go in there day in and day out and do what he's doing. I, You know, speaking of mammoth home runs, there could be a few of them in the series. Javi Baez has hit some bombs this year. Uh, Kyle Schwarber has oh, been on fire Baez. recently. Who does not love Javi Baez, honestly? Yeah. No, he's he's just one of the most likable players out he, there right now. Like, he's he's a, he's like probably in my top five of non-mess. Oh, that's so fun to hear. I, I love him. I mean, he is so fun. He loves the game. And he's literally magic. He does things and you're like, that's not physically possible. And yet, I just saw Javi Baez do it. Yeah. I think, it is. Um, um, he oh, also hit a a line drive that went into the third deck of City Field when what? I was there last weekend. I've just never seen anything like it. That's awesome. Um, the uh, And yeah, like I said, Kyle Schwarber has also been hot, so Mets fans, keep an eye on him. He has been hitting some towering, towering home runs this year, and he is fully another, he's like another guy who can do some damage to that scoreboard out in right field at Wrigley. Yeah, um, he sure can. Oh my gosh. So let's talk a little bit about these pitching matchups, specifically because game one today, uh, y'all are doing something to the Cubs that I, it, it, this is going to wreck us. Like you don't even understand. So I don't know who Walker Lockett is, but the Cubs <laughs> do terribly every time there's some random new person on the mound. It is uncanny. Like they just don't, okay, they're not very good so against random new that. guys. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because absolutely Mets fans will say the exact same thing <laughs> that it's always the like rando nobody who goes in there and gives up like one hit over seven innings. Um, so it feels, it feels nice to know that we're not alone. in this. 
Well, great. Um, so you all, your superpower is the random nobody, and our kryptonite is the random nobody. So I, I fully expect Walker Lockett to throw seven complete innings with like fifteen strikeouts or something absurd. Um, well, I'll, you're in good company because um, the the Cubs fans don't know who Walker Lockett is, and also Mets fans don't know who Walker Lockett is. Um, he they brought him in. Uh, he was. He was a trade piece for catcher Kevin Pilecki in the offseason. Um, and I, I, I'm not one to, like, I try to not scout the stat lines in the minors because it's hard to um, really get a good sense of a player. But also it's hard not to notice when a guy is striking out three batters per nine innings in the minors. Like, it's not, a, um, it's not what you want. And it's not like this is um, – he just doesn't seem to have ever been a particularly notable prospect. Um, he's 24, I believe, might be 25. So it, this is this is a desperation move by the Mets. This is not like uh, he was the next guy we had lined up. Um, it's hard to hard to imagine. And like I'm, I realize now, I'm setting myself for him to really like throw a no hitter and. <laughs> be like part of the Mets rotation for a decade but like it's hard to imagine that he has much of a future in the majors on this team like maybe as a reliever he doesn't he hasn't relieved much but a little bit like but you know the the peripherals peripherals are awful but the ERA is fine in the minors so um, he's the next up the Mets have no pitching depth so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see I think um, hopefully the wind is blowing in today that would be that would be a nice, uh, a nice little boost for our 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 rookie. I have no idea which way the wind will be blowing by game time. I can tell you that it is drizzly, and like Al and I were just saying, that it's basically November in June in Chicago, and has been um, all year. It's it's the weather is not great. It's like fifty six degrees and raining. Um, it should clear up by game time, but I have no idea which way the wind will be blowing. Um, we will be sending Tyler Chatwood to the mound, which is kind of interesting. It's a spot start for Chatwood. Hendricks went to the injured list with shoulder inflammation that they don't think is particularly serious. They indicated that if it was later in the year, they'd probably just let him pitch through it. But since it's not, they're going to hold him back for a little bit, um, and see if they can get Mm, him reset. What (laughs) what an interesting approach. I don't know what that is. Yeah, the the Cubs medical team is pretty cautious. <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel like I'm like salt in the wound no, here. But... No, it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, you know I think it's healthy for any of the Mets listeners who should wander in on this one to know that there can be another way. There, there certainly can. I mean, that's uh, but so anyway, so Tyler Chatwood, who really struggled as a starter last year for the Cubs. I don't know how much Mets fans watched from afar, but he um, had just a. Re- ridiculous ridiculous number of walks and it was maddening to watch because he would actually you know kind of get out of it okay the ERA even looked okay for a little while but he was walking like over one over a guy in inning um constantly putting runners on and getting out of it with ground ball double plays it was frustrating he got pulled from his starter role moved to the pen he's been really good out of the pen and I just don't know how I feel about Chatwood moving into the rotation today. I feel like it could upset whatever delicate balance he has found that <laughs> keeps him from walking everybody. Yeah, I I I I did just look him up and like, wow. 
Wow. I I can't say what what walks for nine innings I expected to see, but over eight was definitely not what I expected to see. So yeah, it sounds like he's got a little bit of a bugaboo there to work on. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. The Mets, the Mets may be the cure to what ailed him uh, as a team. You've got your Alonzo. Michael Conforto is just as good as he has ever been. Um, Jeff McNeil, like watch out for Jeff McNeil. We're, he's batting lead off most of the time now, and he is he is like sneaky good. But that's mostly it. That's pretty much where the the, the threats with the bat end. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know light hitting defensive specialists who can't really defend either, who um, have you know the sub 300 on base percentages. So I think. Um, Juan Lagarde and Ahmed Rosario should, should give him plenty of opportunity to work on not walking guys. Well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. When, when Chatwood is off, it's he's real off. Like he's like major league, just a bit outside type of off. So it's, it, it, it would be hard to miss even if you're Juan Lagares. <laughs> Um, the other thing to look for in this game, which Cubs fan are, fans are really excited about, and if y'all are following any Cubs Twitter accounts, you will see this. The Cubs called Adbert Alzale up to the bullpen today. They sent Tim, or they DFA'd Tim Collins. Um, Alzale has been on fire in Iowa. He is the only Cubs homegrown pitching prospect. We are not a team that really develops pitchers well at all. Uh, and Cubs fans have been waiting for this day. So Adbert Alzale will be in the pen in the event that Chatwood has any problems. Um, and I, I'm really excited about this. He is an outstanding young pitcher. Uh, he's been taking some starts super deep with lots of strikeouts in Iowa recently. And if Chatwood gets in trouble, I imagine Joe, Joe, does, Joe does not hesitate to call in new guys to big spots. He's, he's real trigger happy there. Yeah, that's exciting. It's always it's always nice when you're able to call up an Alzale instead of a locket. But I was um, gonna say he's not Walker Lockett. <laughs> that's <laughs> not a lot of Walter Lockett though. Oh, actually, no, there's a lot of Walter Lockett though. Now, not there's Walker, not a lot of Walker, Walker Lockett's getting oh called up. <laughs> the other thing, okay, so the other thing about Walker Lockett is that his name should every time you read it, it should be Walter. You're looking at it, you're like, oh, his name is Walter. It's not Walter. It's Walker. <laughs> Um, so I've probably said like five times Walter Lockett today. It's Walker. It's Walker. I know this. When you said that, I actually almost like, I was like, did I like put Walker and it's Walter <laughs> at the whole game? Um, other things to look for in these pitching matchups. Game two will be Jason Vargas versus you Darvish. Okay. Fun facts about you Darvish. You Darvish has a nine game, no decision streak. <laughs> That's not easy to do. It's really not. Uh, he has not. <laughs> He's actually been pitching I, well lately. Um, he's been throwing like six, seven innings and striking out a lot of guys and doing you Darvish things. He just cannot get run support to save his life. And the game, the last game he threw, he actually threw a gem, I thought, in L.A., which was really great because, you know, he's been kind of a head case, too. And I was worried he that I was, he was going to go following that game. I was worried he was going to go into L.A. and have a terrible start and Darvish would be broken again. But he threw seven innings. He only gave up one run. He gave up two hits. The, the run happened to be a solo home run. So, like, what are you going to do? Um, and then Anthony Rizzo came in in the ninth and hit a two-run home run to save you Darvish's no-decision streak. You Darvish has never won a game at Wrigley Field. 
I am That's- waiting for him to win a game at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I would so I would love for the Mets to end his no decision streak. I don't know that I would like them to end his his winless at Wrigley Field streak. Um, but I, I like you, Darvis, a lot. He's he's an interesting guy to watch pitch. Um, and yeah, and and Jason Vargas should be an interesting matchup because Jason Vargas is is not very good. Um, he spent all of his time with the Mets being not very good until recently he's got some sort of smoke and mirrors magic show going on and has been sort of other than really Jacob DeGrom their most reliable starter so everyone's sort of just waiting for that to stop because (laughs) we don't know what to do with the Jason Vargas who knows how to pitch it's not um it's not something we were at all prepared for Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for that to stop, too. A a few years ago, I had Jason Vargas on my fantasy team because he was on a similar type of stretch. No, he was on a similar type of stretch where it was like, oh, who's this guy who's throwing a lot of innings and his ERA is in the ones for some reason. And then it it, it abruptly came to an end one day and it was just like, okay, and drop. Yeah. Um, Game three will be Zach Wheeler and Jose Quintana. Quintana is one of those guys, you know, I used to say this about John Lackey, too. It's like when he is good, he is very, very good. And when he is bad, he is horrid. Um, (laughs) If he's having a good outing, nobody will be able to get a hit off of him. He'll pitch seven innings and he will look absolutely ace-like and dominant. And if he is having a bad game, you will know it immediately. He will be walking a lot of people and he will not pitch out of the third or fourth inning. So which cue is going to be there? Who knows? Yeah, that's I know that type of pitcher. Um, and, and Wheeler is going to be his matchup there. And Wheeler's also been kind of up and down all season. Uh, last season, he really broke out and it seemed like he'd finally kind of found it all. And now, you know, he has the games where he looks really good, but he also has games where he'll give up like five runs in the first two innings and may, and like, you know, he'll often settle down and like get you through four or five, but it kind of doesn't, doesn't really help if you're giving up five runs in the first two innings. Um, <laughs> And right now, I like in the true cynical Mets fan way, I would really love him to boost his trade value a little bit in this in this uh, in this series. That would be really nice if he can go out there and like get us from like an, a team's eighth prospect to a team's seventh prospect. That would be that's mostly what I'm looking for from Wheeler right now. Fair enough. Um, the marquee pitching matchup, and I'm so excited I have ga- uh, tickets to this game on Sunday, is Jacob DeGrom and Cole Hamels uh, Sunday afternoon baseball at Wrigley Field. It will also be Wrigley Field's um, Pride Day, which interesting That's fact, awesome. Wrigley Field, yeah, Wrigley Field has two Pride Days. So this is something not a lot of people know. Um, Wrigley Field abuts the Wrigleyville neighborhood is right next to Boys Town in Chicago. And so the original gay day at Wrigley, which was called Out at Wrigley, is actually the oldest um, pride celebration at a baseball field in the country. And that happens in August. It's not in June because it predates when people were sort of setting all these days up. But the Cubs also do their pride day in June. That game will be on Sunday. And it's Jacob DeGrom and Cole Hamels. If you don't have tickets, (laughs) that's the game. That's amazing. That's going to be such a fun game to watch. Um, And Sunday means that, like, if it's a Sunday day game, then that means my my kids can watch because I like the Mets play all of their Saturday games are are in the evening, and it seems like more Sunday games than should be bumped to the evening are. 
Um, so I'm always excited when I can show the kids a good one. Oh yeah. This is definitely a game that you want your kids to watch. Cole Hamels, you know, he's older and a lot of people were wondering if he was um, going to be able to keep up what he had been doing. He kind of had some really off months with the Rangers. So the Cubs didn't pay all that much to get him last year. He has been outstanding as a pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. He has a 2.85 ERA in 2019. His caper nine rate is almost at nine and he just got his 25th hundred strikeout last night. So we'll be watching him to climb that leaderboard a bit too. I think I was telling Al earlier that he's at 25.06 right now. Well, only like 2,000 of those strikeouts were against the Mets. But I, <laughs> I know Cole Hamels well from his time as a Philly when he would just destroy the Mets on a regular basis. Um, so he's not – I'm not like – I'm not thrilled about seeing him again. But also, I mean, but he's also – he's fun to watch. Um, and, of course, with DeGrom up there, you know, DeGrom – like just about all human beings um, is not duplicating his Cy Young season. But after a couple of really rough starts there at the beginning, he settled down big time and is just, you know, his usual, like go to business, get it done kind of self. He's a very, um, he's, he's a pretty chill dude, all things considered. That's awesome. I'm really excited for this matchup. So don't make plans for Sunday afternoon because what you want to be doing is watching this Mets Cubs game for an awesome pitching duel. Uh, the That's pretty much what I've got. Uh, Maggie, do you have anything else that Cubs fans should be keeping an eye on for this series? Um, I mean, I would say like the, the, the one of the biggest challenges the Mets are facing right now outside of the, the bullpen being really just <laughs> problematic uh, is the defense. The Mets have just some of the worst defense in the league, and it's something that it's affecting them in almost every single regard, um, including one of the worst defensive catchers in the league. We have infielders in the outfield. We have infielders in the infield who can't seem to keep their hands on the ball. Um, so that's so, like, have your circus music queued up because that's always something you can expect from the Mets. Um, and, again, I would just say, like, I touched briefly on um, Jeff McNeil, but I just want to throw him in a little extra shout-out because what he's doing is really incredible. He he was a total non-prospect prospect, um, and I think he was 26 when he was finally promoted because he was just he was just killing it. Um, and he now has, under his belt, he has almost a full season's worth of games because he came up mid-year last year. And he has a three thirty three career batting average. Um, and he doesn't draw a lot of walks. And he doesn't have a ton of power, but but he has enough. <laughs> and so he's got like a 869 career OPS. He's been super consistent between this year and last year. And, like, he's just one of those classic, old-school, annoying baseball players who will, like, poke it into left field to bring a run in. He'll, like, sneak a double down the line. Like, he's, um, he's uh, yeah, he's really fun to have on our team. And every other team is like, who is this guy? I hate him. Uh, so we will keep an eye out for Jeff McNeil because that is exactly the type of guy. <laughs> I think gets to this Cubs team. Um, for Mets fans, you know, we would really 
I would tell people to keep an eye on some players that you've probably heard of. The players who are super hot right now are Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Kyle Schwarber. But I'm going to make a prediction here about my particular favorite player, who is Wilson Contreras, because he's a little streaky, and he had been in a bit of a down streak. Last night, he hit two home runs against the White Sox, and I would be looking for Wilson Contreras to hit one of his hot streaks again just in time for this series because that's sort of what he does. He has a tendency to go in these spells where he'll have an ops of like 1600 and you're just kind of like, what is going on with this player? I'm so glad that we're coming in in the middle of this, but um, (laughs) yeah, no, Contreras is another is, is one who's like, yeah, we, we have heard. So ready for that guy to, to take, I think actually, really anybody that we're throwing up there, except for Jacob Degrom, really he could take any of them deep, uh, just about any time. This is definitely yeah, a Homer, he, Homer uh, tendency group. Yeah, he has um he has the ability to hit the ball a very long way. He also my favorite thing about Wilson. Well, I have a lot of favorite things about Wilson. Let's be honest, but one of my favorite things about Wilson is that you just can't run on him like. When he's catching and behind the plate, woe unto the person who thinks they're going to steal a base because the combination of Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez out there is just deadly and you should not run on them. You shouldn't try. Just don't do it. <laughs> the Mets are not usually a base stealing group, but I'm sure they will try this time because that just sort of seems like the kind of thing that they would do. <laughs> like we don't try to steal except on Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez. <laughs> Awesome. Maggie, thank you so much for joining Cup of Cubby Blue today. This was great. And our listeners are going to be so much more informed about this Met series. That's great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Uh, no, never fear, listeners. Andy will be back next episode. She's just enjoying some vacation time with her family. So she will be back with me to look back on this Met series and look ahead to a pretty hot Braves team coming into Chicago. Uh, as always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow our Twitter account at, at Cup of Cubby Blue because we post all of our episodes there. We also post anything we reference on the show and just fun things that are happening at Wrigley Field in general. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Bye.